Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. So I was going to mom's for dinner and showing up, I stopped at a four-way stop uh-huh. and this woman walked out from her house holding paper. She like waved me down before I got to the stop sign and I put my window down and our kids were like, what's going on? And she walked up and she was like, can you help me with my water bill? What? Yeah. And I said, can you help me with mine? <laughs> and then drove off. For real? Yeah. That's a thing that happened. Where did this happen at? It happened over by the BK. The, um, over in my sister's neighborhood. Uh-huh. Yeah, like around there, like the four-way stop. Yeah. A lady just ran out. Weighed me down, holding an envelope. Showed me the bill. It was like over $200. Wow. Asking me to help her. And then later on, I told my mom about it when we were having our family dinner and everything. And she was like, oh, yeah, she came out and, and tried to get me to help her with her sewage bill. And I'm like, what? Does she just go around to random people in the neighborhood like, hey, I need help? Is that how she pays bills? Do you do that now? Is that a thing we do? We can try. You want to just stop the podcast? I'll just grab an envelope right now. Oh, we're recording? Hello! Welcome to another episode of Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss Morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. I have a gas bill, and um, you have a gas problem. If you could, if you could help me with my gas bill, um, I need some money, and um, we could probably take care of it. We could, we we could do it together, you know, as a team, because apparently we do that now. Let, so. Let's don't involve the listeners in this. I'm just. Oh. <laughs> My name is Erica, and I'm joined by my begging for help husband, Billy. I'm just sitting... Hi. Tonight, we are uh, having Dad for dinner. Dad, it's what's for dinner. Yes, we are talking about the case of Catherine Mary Knight, which most of you here in the U.S. probably don't know about. Unless you're Australian, and then... um, You know what? You might not even fucking know. Yeah, this is a pretty bad case. So if you've got a queasy stomach, you may want to pass this one up. But I would really ask that you listen to it just because, you know, we do this for you guys. and Fuck, you made it this far. Y- yeah, you might as well. But it, it's pretty bad. We have a disclaimer. <laughs> we do. And furthermore, at the end, we're going to have a palate cleanser. And on this episode, I don't think this is... There's that much, like, mystery. Now the bitch did it. The, the mystery is gone. This is just the true life. Murder and mayhem part, really. Yes, the, the true life of this very, very demented woman and what she did to a poor man in Australia, and it's just all kinds of bad. Catherine Mary Knight. Yes, Catherine Mary Knight is the first Australian female sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. Now, that is actually a statement because I've read through this. I've done my own independent research, meaning I did it in front of my wife. And what you're going to find out is, at the time, Australia is very fucking lenient on a lot of shit. So, <laughs> the fact- At least it seems that way in her case. To and and to me, and um, the fact that she got life in prison without parole is pretty pretty damn harsh. I I think that's why she she had that one coming. If this was Texas, with, she'd be dead. That'd with, be it. With her history, it shouldn't have even come this far. That's the whole. Just um, saying. And I love Australia. <laughs> we both love Australia, actually. Aside from the, um, remember on Netflix. Oh, yeah, all the things that can kill you there? Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 I just recently found out that there's a spider that can swim. What? Yeah, can swim and hunts fish. Oh my god. Only in fucking Australia. Yeah, if you're from Australia, I'm sorry. Duck. I I think I'm... your country is beautiful and there are certain places in it that I would probably love to visit if I was in like a specialized bubble where your animals couldn't get to me because your animals there will fucking kill a person many times over. That's just weird. Like if if, if it's like, hey, do you want to go to Brazil? I'm like, well, no, from what I've seen, people get shot a lot in Brazil. Hey. Or hacked with a machete. Do you want to go to Russia? No, it's Russia. Do you want to go to Detroit? No, Robocop's not there. But do you want to go to Australia? No, man, you seen those fucking spiders? Jesus Christ, no fucking way. Like, it's, it's attributed to the fucking wildlife. Actually, yeah, did you, uh, did you did I show you the picture of the snake that got, like, I don't even know what the fuck it was. Like a deer? Something. Got something and then, like, um, wrapped it around its tail and then went up the side of the wall. The, the cracks in the wall. It, like, climbed up that. I do not recall you showing me that. I've never seen... I've, I've seen, like, snakes kill what they can. I've never seen, like, a snake hunt. Other than that, Australia is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we we should get back on topic here. And we love Kelly Festuga. <laughs> to let you know what exactly we're discussing with Catherine Mary Knight. Her actual crime that she was convicted of. She murdered her partner, John Price, in October of 2001 by stabbing him to death and then skinned and cooked him, attempting to serve him to his children. Now, here's the thing. We can talk about that, but there's so much in this that I can actually say, Erica and I can actually say, that what you just heard, we can get to that later. Yeah. You know, that could just be an episode right there. There you go. Yeah. She she fucking skinned him and cooked him. This is a thing that hmm. happened. But no, 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 no. Nay, say I. We shall give you a spotlight into what brought this hideous woman up on this earth, starting with when she was born on October 24th in 1955 in New South Wales. She was raised in a pretty dysfunctional family. No. Yeah. Before she was born, her mother Barbara was married to a man named Jack, and they had four kids. Her mother began having an affair with Jack's friend and co-worker, Kent. Barbara and Kent were forced to move to Maury due to the scandal. Evidently, hot hot shit was going on, and people in town got word of it, and they had to move away. Well, you know, it was 1955, and, you know, in, in that time, small town, small neighborhoods, word gets around quick. I, yeah. I, I get that. So... Th- that could happen anywhere. Yeah. Barbara's four sons <clears throat> did not go with her, which, even by today's standards, is kind of unusual. Yeah, not fair, like... It's still not common. Yeah, it's not common. It's not common. Yeah, that is not a common thing even by today's standards. Barbara then had four more kids with Kent, her lover, of which Catherine and her twin were born. So her dad and mom were in a love affair and the man she was married to wasn't actually her dad. So we're talking eight. We're talking eight kids. Yeah, eight kids. You know, I'm not one to make jokes, but I'm gonna right now. Um, that pussy had to be like a clown car. You know, <laughs> how many I mean, can fit in there? I mean, you, you, we've had kids. You, you, you've had, you, you've gave birth. Don't tell everybody the song we listen to when we have sex. Okay, I'm sorry. But. You've had two kids, mm-hmm. and um, they're mine, and that was a, that was an ordeal. Yeah, I could not even six more. Could you imagine no. six more? No, I can't, and I won't, and that's why we got your factory shut down after the second one. Yeah, because I was like, no, we're not doing this again. me like a motherfucker. Yeah, <clears throat> I can't imagine. I, I mean, honestly, I never, I've never had eight kids. Clearly, but. Do you think, like, on the eighth one, 
She didn't even push. Do you think on the eighth kid, they were like, you're crowning, and she was like, oh, okay. Ugh. And then, like, like the kid just, like, fell out. Do you think, like, by the seventh or eighth kid, the doctor wasn't delivering, he was just catching? That's the reason why there's a show named Eight is Enough. Two is enough in my case. Yeah. So, Catherine, as we said, uh, had a twin and had two more siblings with this lover of her mother's. And when Catherine was four, her mother's actual husband, Jack, died. And then two of the four sons moved in with Catherine and her family. So, that could have, you know, caused some disturbances in the household. Didn't help, that's for sure. But also, her father, Kent, was an alcoholic. He was violent and intimidating. Uh, used to rape her mother up to ten times a day, reportedly. Barbara would tell her daughters how much she hated sex and men and told them intimate details of her sex life. I can't see that happening. I mean, like maybe that's just how I was raised or and how you were raised. But, like, what happened? You don't talk about that with your kids. No. Mm-mm. And um, since I'm a girl, I would be a daughter. And my mother did not speak to me about that kind of stuff. Good. Now, I'm assuming you weren't a daughter. Well, we haven't gotten the um, test results, but so far, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, I would assume you weren't spoken to like that either. No. Dad made jokes, but the thing is with Dad is Dad always made jokes about how crazy things are in bed but you know especially the listeners out there you know like when your parents are in bed and 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 you're trying to get to sleep and you hear that like of like the spring of the mattress or like when it's saturday date night and you hear like the air pressure of the fucking door go boom 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 back and forth wow you know what's going on now what i did was i would wake up i i didn't experience that but I think our kids do. But, <laughs> uh, but I would call my dad out on it, and he'd blush up and he'd say, "Shut up." So when he, whenever he would joke about like, "Oh, your 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 mom tore me up last night," I knew he was joking. I knew mm-hmm. nothing happened at all because when something did happen, I call him out on it, and he's like, "You shut your mouth." Yeah, yeah. Catherine's mother Barbara wasn't like that. She just she fucking. Was- Laid it all out for she, him. She was all like, and then punctuated it with, "I didn't like it." He told me. He told me to bite the pillow. Wow. Yeah, like that. Like, like, like stuff like nobody even is here. Like, not even like the, her kids. Like any other human being alive doesn't need to hear about. That was oddly specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like bite the pillow. I'm gonna dry dick you. Like that. Like that. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just speculating. I don't know. Yeah, that was a whole lot of speculation there. Remember that time we were very romantic? All right. (laughs) So uh, one time growing up, Catherine complained to her mother that a boyfriend wanted her to take part in a sex act that she didn't want to perform. And her mother's response to that was, put up with it and stop complaining. Now here's the thing. Put up with it and stop complaining. But meanwhile, this is the same person that talked about how much she hated... Her sex life. Yeah, but that's why she was telling her daughter to put up with it and stop complaining. Like, I have to deal with it. You have to deal with it, too. Stop complaining. Which is just a bad, bad mom move. Yes. Because it would be like one of those things. A bad woman move. A bad person person move. Yeah. Like, don't do what I've been doing this whole time. You know. I told you about it. Remember Thursday? Like that. Mm -hmm. And... You would think, like, she would try to lead her down a better road, but at the same time, I mean, God, you gotta be so tired. Eight kids. I mean, God, I can't even imagine. Well, you can, and it's not pretty. It's not fun. That's why you just hung your head. That's a a shitty weekend. Yeah. I'm saying it like it's gremlins. Like, they spilled water on the mogwai, and, like, she fired out eight at once. No, but still, damn, that's rough. So... I want to watch Gremlins. Go go ahead, go ahead. You're fine. Catherine claims that she was frequently sexually assaulted by several family members, but not her father, though. And it continued until (laughs) she was 11. He was a good guy. Yeah. 
Psychiatrists tend to accept her claims uh, as family members confirmed the events, but we don't know specifically who may have been involved, if more than one person. Other than her twin, she was only close to her uncle Oscar, who was a champion horseman, which I have no fucking clue what a horseman is. I'm assuming maybe he trotted around on ponies and shows and yeah, shit. I know, like, horse breeder. Um, I know jockey. What the fuck is a horseman? Is that... Actually, if anybody's listening from Australia, is that cowboy? Is that, like... Hell, anyone from anywhere. Maybe it's not even an Australian thing. Maybe there's horsemen here. I don't know. I don't deal with horses. Things don't are... know. Didn't grow up on a ranch. Didn't grow up on a farm. Fuck, he might be a horse whisperer. Is that a thing? I don't... Being close to her Uncle Oscar, she was obviously quite... Uh, it's Oscar the Horseman. Come on. Being obviously close to her Uncle Oscar the Horseman, she was quite devastated when he committed suicide in 1969. And she maintains to this day that his ghost visits her. Maybe. We don't know. The family moved back to Aberdeen that year, and Catherine attended Musselbrook High School. Good pronunciation. Thank you. Didn't know I needed... Let me try. Let me try. Musselbrook. Sure. Oh, so you just said a word. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just looked at letters on the page, and they were all put together. And I was like, hey, I bet that's what that sounds like. I think you're right. She was a loner, though, wasn't she? Yes. Uh, remembered as a bully who stood over smaller children. She assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon and was once injured by a teacher who was found to have only been defending herself from Catherine. Crazy bitch. Yeah. That's a crazy bitch. But when not in a rage, she was a model student and often earned awards for her good behavior. So you think maybe it was like one of those things where it's like, well, she's got her issues. Maybe. And we give her tissues, but look at how she acts right now. Yeah. Not last week. Right now. Look at her right now. Look at her right now. Oh, she's good. It could have been. Except behavior wasn't the only problem. She left school at age 15 without learning to read or write well. I think we should rephrase that. To what? Good. Read or write good? Yeah. Let's get on her love. Come on, man. <laughs> she's stupid. I'm not bringing myself down to she her is, She is good. No. But, you know, something has to be said about a 15-year-old that can't read or write well. Yeah. You should have been able to at least do well by, like... Sixth grade. Yeah. You should be able to read words. She ended up working for a clothing company as a cutter for a year and then left for her, quote, dream job. Well, I bet before that she didn't do, like, the labels because she can't read or write good. I'm just saying, washing cold water, she couldn't do. She couldn't write it. That's what's funny. I can say anything I want about Catherine Knight. Bitch ain't gonna write me a letter. (laughs) That's for fucking sure. Well... After leaving the clothing company, she found her, quote, dream job working at the local abattoir, or for those of you not in the know here in the U.S., that's that's a butcher. But it sounds so much better when you say abattoir. I like it. I like it. It, 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 I don't know how to put it. It sounds like a place you want to go to, like like a park, you know, like a... But I'm sure... Every Australian that could be listening to us Things right now. Things were fucking yeah. stupid. But to <clears> us, <throat> abattoir sounds so much better than butcher. This time of year, the abattoir... Let's go to the butcher. This time of year, the abattoir is actually it's actually pretty nice. Yeah. We can hang out in the gazebo. Uh, the abattoir, it's in season. See, it sounds nice. It does. But if you go to an abattoir, it's not. It's it's Mm-mm. a it's a nope. butcher shop. Nope, because they cut up animals. So there's that awkward silence. <laughs> At the abattoir, she was quickly promoted to boning. I can't imagine just walking around a place with a fucking knife with that smell in the fucking air. But I say that, but I also 
Love a good steak. <laughs> Ironically, from Outback. She was quickly promoted to boning and given her own set of butcher's knives. She hung the knives over her bed so that they, quote, would always be handy if I needed them. Is that a thing? If you guys on uh, Facebook or Twitter or anything like that, if you're a butcher, just in a regular butcher shop, or if you're in an abattoir or whatever, uh, if you get your own set of knives, is that a... Um is that an honor? Is that an honor? I'm, I'm being like totally sincere. Is that is that like a honor to be bestowed upon you? Like you have, you have your own. You don't have to go to the, to the block, to get the knife that everybody uses. You have your own that's wrapped up in a, leather apron and tied up. Is that? Well, I'm assuming she thought that it was. I can. Under, I mean, I can understand that. I can't understand much of anything else she does. Especially hanging them over her fucking bed, but... But I can see, like, as far as career, she started doing this. She got good at it. She got promoted to uh, boning, which would be, like... (laughs) 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 Which would be, like, basically uh, using a knife and... I mean, because I used to do, like, culinary arts and everything like that. Boning would be, like, separating bones... Deboning the... From cartilage. You're separating the bones. You're not cutting the bones in half. You might be. But you're separating, like, thigh bone from hip. Whatever. And then to have knives, like, have your boss come to you and be like, these are for you. Is that, like, a big thing? I, I think it would be a big thing. I would guess so. Like, it would be like if you got promoted at the office and you got your own business card. That's a big thing, right? I or, don't know. Or, or you get the company car. I don't know. I'm just trying to understand. That's all. Well, regardless, she continued this habit no matter where she lived up until her incarceration. The habit of putting the the knives above her bed. Which is a little off-putting, to say the least. Makes me think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know why, but it does. Where, like, you have knives strewn across the wall above your bed... Makes me think of Texas. It makes me think of Texas. <laughs> so her first marriage to David Kellett uh, was in 1974. He was a co-worker that she met in 1973. She reportedly dominated him. So when they got married in 1974, at her request, with the two arriving at the wedding on her motorcycle, and Kellett very intoxicated... This is actually pretty gangster. <laughs> so far, everything is pretty gangster. And I wonder what the dominance is. Riding on a motorcycle with the groom-to-be intoxicated is gangster? <laughs> Just showing up at your wedding drunk on a motorcycle. That's kind of gangster. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Sweet, when we renew our vows, I'm, I'm kind of like hinting. No. Spoiler alert. But anyway, um, I wonder what the dominance is. Do you think that, sweetie, do you think that she came home and was like, where's my big piece of chicken? Or do you think it was like, where's dinner? And he's like, well, I think I was going to do tortellini. And then she's like, no, you're not. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that she came home expecting everything or like she micromanaged everything? Mm, As far as the dominance things go? Yeah. I wonder how that worked. I want to think that she micromanaged everything. I think she wanted stuff her way in her time frame. Do it or you're fucked. And you know, he would have to heed. Because there are knives hanging above her goddamn bed. When they showed up at the wedding... She's good with knives and she has a motorcycle. I'm just saying. As soon as they arrived, Barbara, her mother... Gave Kellett some advice. <laughs> so this kind of might give us some insight into how she was as far as the dominance. Okay, before you quote every listener, this is her mother. Go ahead, honey. Her own mother gave Kellett some advice. She said, quote, You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing. And you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her, which means cheating. cheating. She'll fucking kill you. End quote. That's when any rational human being would go ahead and get back on that motorcycle 
and leave. And that makes me wonder what happened that caused her mother to have this opinion of her own daughter. You know, the mother that shared all of her intimate sexual details with and told her daughters about her husband raping her, um, you know, mother of the year. Why she would say this about her own daughter. Because this is what she reportedly said to the husband-to-be. And he went through with the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. He was all, fuck it, I'm cool. So, on the wedding night, she tried to strangle her newly wed husband. Her explanation was that it was because he had fallen asleep after only having sex three times that night. Yeah, you bum. (laughs) What the fuck, man? Yeah. So evidently, since he couldn't keep up with her sexually, she thought that warranted strangling him. Murder. Attempted murder. Until he dies. And then that's murder. It could be. But... They must have worked things out or something because he stayed married. Coming from a man's angle, I can't think of anything that makes your dick softer. Than being strangled? Yeah. Because you know, you're being deprived of oxygen and you're actively dying. I don't think she was doing it to try and get him hard. I think she was just doing it because she was pissed. She has no self-control. Maybe he didn't do it right. I'm not victim blaming. It sounds like you're victim blaming. I'm victim blaming? <laughs> I can't understand, I mean, like, on the, I would think, like, when I was, like, 18, sure, I'm 35, three times, three times, that's a great fucking night. And I have not tried to strangle you once. Knock on wood. Jesus Christ, are we going to have sex three times tonight? No. I don't, I don't have it in me. That's, (laughs) yeah, that's that, that, that lets me, that lets everybody know how, like, old I feel. Are we doing this? Is this a thing? <laughs> Can we schedule for tomorrow? We're not... No, I can't do this. I'll chafe. I'll, I'll chafe. I'll pencil you in. On top of that, on her end, she got railed three times. I'm not a woman, but I mean, you're a woman is, after three times. And I would think that would be more than enough just in my personal... Sensitive? Chafe? I would, I would imagine so. I mean, I'm not her... But um, unless he actively dipped his dick in a bucket of KY, there's no fucking way. I mean, everybody's different. I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's, let's keep going. This is already fucked up. This is fucked up from her getting knives that she makes a fucking wall treatment out of. So they did stay together, but the marriage was very violent. And on one occasion, a very heavily pregnant Catherine... Burned up all of Kellett's clothing and shoes before hitting him in the head with a frying pan simply because he had arrived home late from a darts competition in which he had made the finals. So, she thought, ah, he's late, I'm mad, and whacked him over the head with a frying pan after setting all of his clothing alight. Here, and she thought that was okay. Here's my question. You made finals in darts. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you put one in her fucking eye? Hmm. Frying pan, burning clothes. Maybe he was expecting like a really good dinner that night. Does he eat clothes? He, I'm sure he didn't foresee that she was going to burn up his clothes. You know what's fucking crazy? And this is where I got to come down on um, Australia. I'll be doing it a lot, actually. This right here, you're literally describing an episode of Cops. In America, <laughs> this is an episode of Cops. Well, well, well. No. She set my shit well, on fire, and she came at me with my George Foreman. Slow down there. You're jumping ahead of yourself. Because Kellett fled after he was hit in the head. He cl- <laughs> Good for him. He did it. He, he fled and collapsed at a neighbor's house. Oh, there it is. Okay. And was treated for a severely fractured <clears throat> skull. Police wanted to charge Catherine. But she was now on her best behavior as she had been in school and talked Kellett out of it. Okay. So uh, that m- pussy must have been Thank good. you. Yes, thank you. I was going to just say that and I'm going to say it later on too. Her pussy must have like a red cape coming out of it with an S on it. Her pussy must have been like... 
I can't even put it. I can't even think because the reason why I can't think of a word is because if I got hit with a fucking frying pan, I'd hit her in the pussy with a fucking frying pan. Swear to God. I can't even imagine. So I know what to expect if I ever hit you with a frying pan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, chivalry aside, if you hit me with a frying pan, if I'm able to get up, get away from my reach, because I'm going to grab a frying pan. And you're going to go at me in my front butt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hoof you in the front butt. Well, I, I don't think I'll ever have to hit you with a frying pan. How the fuck do you get hit with a frying pan? Not even a frying pan where I'm like, oh my god, I'm kind of dazed. No, fractured skull. Yeah. And she somehow managed to talk him out of it. And so he was like, I'm cool. Actually, that kind of makes sense because you have a fractured skull. You're probably not right. Well. Like, he got hit and he was like, waffles. Waffles with maple syrup. It didn't last too incredibly long because in May of 1976, shortly after having their first child, Melissa Ann. That poor girl. Kellett left her for another woman and moved to Queensland. He should have moved to fucking, like, Iceland. (laughs) Africa. Go to another continent where that bitch is not at. Hit you with a frying pan. God damn. Well, the next day, Catherine was seen pushing the baby in a pram, which, for those of you in the U.S., is a stroller. She was pushing the pram down the main street, violently throwing it from side to side. She was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth and was diagnosed with postnatal depression. She stayed admitted for several weeks to recover. When she was released, she placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before the train was due. I bet you she was released because she was on her best behavior. Probably. So she put the baby on the railway line and then stole an axe and went into town threatening to kill several people. So, Australia. Ding, ding, ding. This is a big red warning sign. Do you think maybe she wasn't recovered? The bitch is crazy. Maybe we need to do something about this. Drunk on a motorcycle. Frying pan. Fractured skull. Baby on a railway line. Axe to the people in the neighborhood. Some dude. Yeah. While she's in town threatening to kill several people, a man foraging near the railway line thankfully found and saved Melissa just in time. And that guy is a fucking saint. Catherine was arrested. Good for that guy. Good for Catherine, too. Fuck her. Catherine was arrested and taken back to St. Elmo's. You know the place where they released her before because they said she was all better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took her back there. She, uh recovered by the next day and signed herself out. Air quoting the fuck out of recovery. So, in less than 24 hours, everything was alright. She she was alright. She she was okay. Now, this is, in all fairness, this is like in the 70s. Is it like that now? If you're listening and you're from Australia, is it like that now? I mean, would you honestly be let go by any type of authorities, whether they be medical or police, for doing this? Can I go to Australia and just commit a crime and then go to jail and be like, I'm cool. You know, even if the husband hadn't wanted to press charges, I would think here in the U.S. prosecutor would still press charges regardless of whatever you say because you tried to kill someone. Or, you know, you put your baby on a railway line. Yeah. Waiting for a train to come. Doesn't matter if the baby wants to press charges or not. You just press the fucking charges. Because the bitch is crazy. That's what gets me. Um, with this one, that's the one thing that bothers me. That Just a baby. Well, and it gets even worse. Because just a few days later, she slashed a woman's face with one of her knives and demanded that she drive her to Queensland to find Kellett. Thankfully, the woman escaped when they stopped at a service station... But by the time police arrived, Catherine had taken a young boy hostage with her knife. That chick broke camp. So, police had to attack her with brooms. Brooms! Australia, brooms! Brooms to disarm her. Is that standard equipment? Is that police issued? But, you know, just a few days before, she was fine, right? 
And then a few days before that, she was just fine. Yeah. So this time, this is where they realized, oh, maybe we messed up by sending her back to St. Elmo's. This time, they sent her to Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. While she was there, she told the nurses that she had intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he had repaired Kellett's car, which then allowed Kellett to leave. It's all that mechanic's fault. Yes. And then she was going to kill both Kellett and his mother once in Queensland. And she told all this to the nurses. When Kellett was notified by police of the incident, he left his girlfriend and did the the absolute best thing he could have done and moved to Aberdeen with his mother to support Catherine. On this one, I don't blame Australia. No, no, this was all him. That was a fucking idiot. Yeah. Catherine was released on August 9th, uh, 1976 into the care of her mother-in-law, you know, the one who she told people she wanted to kill. Along with Kellett, who she also told people she wanted to kill. And they all moved to Woodridge and, you know, just wanted to be a big happy family. Catherine started working at Denmore Meatworks in nearby Ipswich. Wow, an avatar. Yeah. Go fig. And on March 6th of 1980, their second daughter, Natasha, was born. That means he put his dick in there again. Well, he probably had to or he would have been strangled. Yeah. So, it's a damn shame when your balls are held hostage. Yeah. So, you know, they had a second kid because, well, why not? Let's just add some more kids to this insane mess. Why the fuck not? In 1984, Catherine left Kellett. <laughs> Can you believe that? He didn't leave her. She left him. I wonder if he was at the door like, why? I love you. <laughs> My life. That thing you do with your hips. There has to be something with her pussy that's so fucking amazing. I don't know. Because I've seen this woman, and this woman looks like a human elbow. Uh, she left Kellett and moved back with her parents in Aberdeen. And then she rented a house in Muswell Brook. She returned to work at the abattoir, but injured her back the following year and went on a disability pension. And then she was given housing from the government through the housing commission australia what are you doing the the record on this woman obviously didn't stand for shit because you guys gave her a house i have a feeling honestly i can go to australia and just do whatever the fuck i want well this was a while back in in the 70s maybe i could have gone australia and gone fucking wild that's the feeling i'm getting so Catherine's second partner in 1986 she met 38-year-old David Saunders, who was a minor, not like underage minor, but like chink chink coal miner. He made little rocks out of big rocks. <laughs> Good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, he moved in a few months later, but kept his old apartment in Scone. Yeah, you know, David, you shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have hit a dude with a fucking frying pan. She's gonna think you're fucking hiding some shit. But maybe it, he was it. unaware of that. That's the thing, too. He was like, oh, this is, we're keeping it relaxed. We're keeping it chill. I don't like labels. But you're with Catherine. Odds are nothing's going to end well for you. But chances are he probably did not know about her past. Uh, she soon, of course, became jealous regarding what David did when she wasn't around. And she often threw him out. And then she'd show up and beg for him to return. And in 1987, she cut the throat of his two-month-old dingo puppy in front of him. Only as to set an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. And then knocked him unconscious with a frying pan. What's with the frying pan? I'm thinking like it's Mortal Kombat. You know, like Scorpion has the chain... I wonder if that's her weapon of choice. I think that's like her special move. She has she has a combo. Ding. Yeah, like 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 square triangle frying pan. So even through all this, they stayed together. And in June 1988, her third daughter Sarah was born, 
which prompted Saunders to put up a deposit on a house, being that that was his first child. At this point, I don't even care about the guys anymore. Good ahead, Saunders. You got it, dude. She only hit you with a goddamn frying pan. And what's crazy is, odds are, it's a used frying pan. You probably got hit, and on your face are the eyelashes of the last guy. So this house Catherine paid off when her workers' comp came through in 1989. And she decorated every inch of the house with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusted animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. Or an awesome heavy metal video. Or a horrible place to live. Yeah, what did I just say? You know. After an argument where she hit Saunders in the face with an iron, <laughs> she changed it up a little bit this time. Yeah. Not an iron skillet, just an iron. Yeah. And stabbed him in the stomach with scissors. <laughs> he moved back to scone. No shit. He later returned to find all of his clothes cut up. Ah, oh, bummer, dude. Saunders took a long service leave and went into hiding that he's a smart man I that guess. was the smartest thing he's ever <laughs> fucking done Catherine tried to find him but was unsuccessful you lucky bastard and several months later he came to visit his daughter <clears throat> but found out that Catherine had gone to police and said she was afraid of him get this so they issued <clears throat> her an apprehended violence order against him, or what we here in the States would call restraining a restraining order. Australia. Why? I don't know what she possibly could have been afraid of in regards to him, but she must have had a really good story. So, in 1991, Catherine had another child at age 43 with a co-worker, John Chillingworth, they had a son named Eric. The relationship only lasted three years before she left him for her lover of some time, John Price. So John Price had three kids <clears throat> of his own when the relationship with Catherine began. He was well-liked, quote, a terrific bloke, end quote, whose marriage had ended in 1988. His youngest daughter stayed with his ex and the two older children lived with him. Catherine moved in with him in 1995 despite her violent reputation. Because why not? John made good money in mining. His kids liked her and other than the violent arguments, life, quote, was a bunch of roses. It's a weird sentence. Other than the violent arguments, mm -hmm. life was like a bunch of roses. Yeah, other than that. Other than the times I was totally horrified, I wasn't horrified. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. In 1998, they fought over John refusing to marry her because, yeah, he was trying to be a smart guy. In retaliation, she videotaped items that he took or stole, stole being her choice of words, from his work and sent the tape to his boss because she's just a real bitch like that. She's a bitch on wheels. The items were only out-of-date medical kits that he had salvaged from the trash, but he was fired anyway after working there for 17 years. The same day, he kicked her out, and she returned to her own home. A few months later, they reconciled, but he refused to let her move in. Fighting was more frequent, and most of his friends at that point started shunning him as long as he and Catherine stayed together. And in February of 2000, a series of assaults on Price culminated with Catherine stabbing him in the chest. He kicked her out, and on February 29th, he took out a restraining order in an attempt to keep her away from him and his kids. That afternoon, he told co-workers that if he didn't come into work the next day, it would be because she killed him. They pleaded for him not to go home, but he feared that she would kill the kids if he didn't. So this is where he got a little stupid, because if you're afraid she's going to kill your kids, then call the fucking police and don't go home. Or go home and get your kids and then fucking leave again. I wonder. I'm not advocating violence against anybody. But I'm about to. What would have happened 
if in between getting hit with the iron and getting stabbed, what if he really just balled up his fist and pushed her jaw back? You think it would? I mean, honestly, in your opinion, you think it would change anything? I think she would have been twice as insane. You think so? Yeah. I wonder if it would have gave her a bit of humble pie. Like if he fed her her teeth no, with one she, solid hit. She has this long history of rage and inability <clears throat> for self control. I think she would have gone completely apeshit. Maybe. Just my personal opinion. So that night, uh, when Price got home, she wasn't there. And she had sent the kids over to uh, a sleepover. So he decided to hang out with some of the neighbors. And then he went home and went to bed around 11 p.m. And when she came home, she woke him. They had sex. Because, you know, he was so worried she was going to kill him or the kids. And he fell back asleep. I'm sorry, but... John Price, what what the fuck are we thinking? Yeah. No offense to him or his family, but I can't I can't feel too bad. Yeah. It's awful what happened. I wish it didn't happen, but I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, just Well, let's get into what exactly happened. So <laughs> at six AM the next day, a neighbor <clears throat> came to the door concerned that Price's car was still there. When he didn't show up for work, an employee was sent out to see what was wrong. Both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him. Blood was noticed on the front door and the police were called. At 8 a.m., police arrived and broke down the back door. I don't know what took them two hours to get to this point, but it did. They broke down the back door and Catherine was comatose from sleeping pills and carnage was everywhere. Catherine had stabbed Price with one of her knives as he slept. According to blood evidence, he awoke and tried to turn on the light before attempting to escape. She chased him through the house. He managed to open the front door and get outside, but either he stumbled back in or was dragged back in, and he bled out in the hallway. The autopsy would later reveal that Price had been stabbed <coughs> at least 37 times in the front and the back of his body, with many of the wounds extending deep into vital organs. Makes me think the dingo got off lucky. The dingo? Yeah. That had the throat slit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was just a little a little taste of what might happen, and then this is what she actually did. Yeah, but when you think about the, ting- the dingo and you think about Price, dingo got off lucky. Yeah. Again, Price, uh, I'm not saying he asked for it. And I'm not saying it's right, but Price, what the fuck, dude? Honestly, what the fuck, man? I mean, what'd you think would happen? Yeah, that's pretty bad. After uh, stabbing Price to death, Catherine went into Aberdeen and withdrew $1,000 from Price's account. Several hours after Price died, Catherine skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook on a lounge room door. She knows how to do it. Yeah. She then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body, serving up the meat with baked potatoes, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy. That actually sounds like a good meal. If you take price out of it... (laughs) If you take the human out of it, (laughs) it sounds good. If price ain't around and you replace it with just like a good rump roast, that sounds like a a fine meal. (laughs) I'd sit down and have that meal. You know, I never even had human. I don't know. She took her time. It wasn't like, here, I broiled this. No, like, there was a spread. I can respect it. She then set two spots at the dinner table with this meal and placed name cards for Price's two children. A third meal was found to have been thrown in the back lawn. She had possibly attempted to eat it but couldn't. Found. You know, given how everything's going with the Australian government right now, I don't even think they fucking cared. I don't Heard think it. they cared. I think they were like, how can we find this guy and charge him? Clearly, she didn't do it. <laughs> Fuck's sakes, man. 
Price's head was found in a pot with all the vegetables still warm. Trying to make a broth. Indicating <laughs> indicating that she had done the cooking in the early a.m. At some point, she arranged the body with the left arm draped over an empty soft drink bottle with the legs crossed. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement, uh, demonstrating her contempt of Price. I don't know how. I think... Here's my theory. Wait, know. here we go. I don't know. Here's your theory. Here we go. Are you getting out the glass? You're getting out the glasses. Putting my glasses on. She killed him and cooked him. <laughs> glasses off. <laughs> There's your fucking defilement. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what they mean about this position the body was found yeah, in being if I kill, If I kill you and cook you, I don't need to do anything else with your fucking body. What am I gonna do? I, like, cut off cut off your arm and then make it to where your fist is balled up, but you have a finger sticking up, and I'm picking my nose, I'm like, hey, look! <laughs> no! You're already defiled because I cooked you, I skinned you, I bled you out, I cooked you, and served you. And, which is just undoubtedly, like, a great spread, but still, you're already defiled. Yeah. I'm trying to feed you to your kids. I defiled you. End of statement. Because I fuck about where I put your legs. <laughs> she left a hand... Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> she left a handwritten note on top of a bloody photograph of Price. And uh, as we know, she's not so good with the spelling and the writing. Did she say this is meant to defile you? <laughs> No, it's not, but... Catherine, you're a bag of shit. You're just the worst person. This is this is what it said, and I'll put the corrections in. Actually, but, actually, check the show notes that we post on Facebook and Twitter and everything, and we'll type it out as she wrote it. Yeah. Time got you back, Jonathan, for rapping, which she means raping, my doubter. D-O-U-T-E-R. Doubter, which uh, I'm assuming is daughter. You too, which she means T-O-O, not T-O. She didn't write that. Beck, which is Price's daughter's name. For Ross, for Little John, which is the son's name. Now play with Little John's dick, John Price. End quote. So basically what she said is, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You too, Beck. For Ross, for Little John. Now play with Little John's dick, John Price. That letter was just a roller coaster from start to finish. It's like, yeah, now let's see you do it, bitch. You or something like that. I, I'm just assuming. You fucking did a thing, and I did a thing, and there's things, so play with the thing, you think. But uh, all of the accusations that she made uh, of sexual abuse were found to be groundless. Catherine uh, originally agreed to plead guilty to manslaughter, but it was rejected. And she was arraigned March 2nd, 2001 for murder. Probably the smartest thing Australia had done this far. Good job, guys. She entered a plea of not guilty. The trial commenced on October 15th of 2001, but she changed her plea to guilty the next day. The jury was dismissed and no reason was given for the plea change. Although she pled guilty, she still refused to accept responsibility. I did it, but I didn't do shit. Yeah. During the sentencing phase, Dr. Timothy Lyons took the stand to describe the skinning and decapitation, and Catherine became hysterical and had to be sedated. So, yeah, evidently it was too much then, but not when she was like, cut the man's head up. Yeah. Bringing him to a boil. Don't tell me about what I did. On November 8th, she was sentenced to life in prison, and the judge refused to set a non-parole period. The judge ordered that her papers be marked, quote, never to be released, end quote. And she is currently serving her life sentence at Silverwater Women's Correctional Center. It took all of this. All of that. For her to be locked up, never to be released. She's been in prison ever since. Poor fucking dingo. Boiling a poor man's head. You're worried about the dingo. You know, the dingo didn't do anything wrong. The dingo was doing what dingo does. It's dingoing. Is that a verb? 
It's a billyism, for sure. What I'm saying is, all these motherfuckers came back. They all did. Mm-hmm. For what? Poor Dingo didn't do shit. I'm gonna do it again. You ready? Here he goes. Putting on the glasses. <sighs> She's a piece of shit. Done. Woo! Woo? Earlier, I burped. And it tasted like blue cheese. Yeah? I didn't have blue cheese today. Hmm. Okay. Where were we? You also didn't eat cat shit, but your fart smelled like it. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, they're bad. <laughs> and what's crazy is you're going to lay in bed with me tonight. Yeah, but it'll at least still be under the covers. Your feet are going to be so... I won't be sitting next to you like I am Your feet are going to be so now. warm. Maybe. I'm, I'm talking about like that. Maybe I'll hit you with a frying pan. What? That shit ain't funny. We need to start a movement. Men! Start a movement. For? Not getting hit with frying pans. Where you been? <laughs> Gonna start a whole movement on that? Yeah. Because of one crazy bitch? That's a crazy bitch. Oh, that is the craziest of bitches. You know, and I've um, read, I've watched documentaries. This is a crazy bitch. And I tell you what, though, it, it kind of... This kind of makes me... This kind of reminds me of a um, podcast I listened to. I can't remember the name of it. Um, actually, I think it's called like the Serial Killer Podcast or whatever. Mm-hmm. Done by... I think he was like a professor. He was asked on one of his episodes, like a Q&A episode, about whether or not he believed in a death penalty. And he said he never believed in a death penalty until he read about a case way back... 40s or 50s or something like that and uh dude was sent to death uh sent to die and uh he was released to overcrowding and he was actually considered like a model prisoner and worked with the church and everything like that like he mm-hmm. like they think he turned himself around yeah. he, he got out and he killed somebody he killed a family i think and that's when that professor changed his mind because he thought you know if the state did their job those people would be alive that's what makes me think about Catherine Knight. Catherine Knight is a real bag of shit. Mm-hmm. But the all- worst bag of shit. And I'm not talking shit about Australia now. I'm talking shit about Australia back then. If they did what they were supposed to do, people would be alive right now. Or they would at least live a life that wasn't cut short. Or abused. This isn't like married with children where there's somebody gets hit with a frying pan. We're talking about a fucking frying pan. That's rough. Fractured skull rough. Fractured skull rough. Then we're talking about two hits with a frying pan, a hit with an iron, stabbed, uh, strangled. Left her baby on the railway. What the fuck, man? Threatened people with an axe, slashed a woman's face, took a boy hostage. Yeah, if, if, if... And none of this was enough to, like, lock her away? Yeah. Okay, even individually, if that's not enough to lock her away, the compounded violations that she committed one on top of the other that should have been enough right there i'm sure australia has her shit together but this one this is the one that they say you know like fell through the cracks or something because big ass crack that was a huge crack but thank you for listening yes once again i want to take this time out to thank purpleplanet.com, jewelbeat.com, and pond5.com for the music and sound effects that you have heard this evening. And also want to give a shout out to CCR for their podcasts that have been huge inspirations to us. And we want to thank Phaser765 for the graphic art. Yes, and you can find him on YouTube at Phaser with a PH765. And uh, we'll be relying on him to take care of all of our graphic media. And find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Instagram. Instagram. And our up and coming website. Insert website here. (laughs) (laughs) At (laughs) arbor.com. Yeah, that one. Forward slash. That one. All right, that's it for this evening. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, and um, now is your palate cleanser.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.